born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. We just finished the book of 1 Peter, correct? So um, we ought to be in the book of 2 Peter, true? So we'll just move right across the page there to the book of 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter is a book not written really to just a different people. It was written to some of the same people that he wrote the first book to. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. See there in chapter 3, look in verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 3 says, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. So doesn't that give it away? So he know, we know that he wrote the first epistle to him. It was about suffering, a lot built upon hope. Something that you look forward to that gets you through the suffering part. And we know that one of these days it's, uh, it's going to all be over. But we want to be faithful and serve the Lord until the very end. Now, there are two verses in this uh, book that will kind of give you the idea of where Peter's going to. Look there in chapter uh, 3 and look in verse 17. And notice what he says in verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved. So we're talking to the believers, just like it was in the book of uh, 1 Peter. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before. So he really wasn't telling them a lot of new stuff. He's just helping them to remember. You know, when you come to church, you don't always learn something new. Sometimes the preacher is just telling you something and reminding you of things you already know. I mean, if you read the Bible and keep reading the Bible and keep reading the Bible, the preacher can't always teach you something you've never heard before. Sometimes you need just to tell you the same things you've heard before and again and again and again and again. So he says, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also... Get this, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So the reason for Second Peter is to keep God's people from falling from their steadfastness. Because he wants us to be steadfast. Remember in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he says, Be ye steadfast, sober-minded, steadfast, resisting the devil and things like that. Well, this is one of the ways on how to do it. And remember, the devil seeks whom he may devour. Well, how does he do that? Well, he works through people. That's why you find in Second Peter, in chapter 2, it talks a lot about false teachers. Now, it referred to the Old Testament, where in the Old Testament, they had false teachers among them. So he says also there will be false teachers 
among you. So false teachers have a false doctrine. And the only way you can recognize false doctrine is to know true doctrine. But now look what he says in verse 18 of this chapter 3, 2 Peter. He says, but grow in grace. Now remember, in 1 Peter, he says, being born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And then he goes down in the chapter 2 and says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So we're going from a child to where you can stand against the teachings that are false. And this is why you have to keep reading and studying the Word of God. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this kind of gives you an idea of where he's headed, what he's trying to accomplish. Now, go back to the first chapter there. Now, so in this book of 1 Peter, uh, remember this, Peter deals with the subject, and he's like the apostle of hope, to joyfully anticipate that which lies beyond the sufferings, the trials, the tribulations that we have to go through. And the apostle Paul is like the apostle of faith, because his is always on faith. You're justified by faith. You live by faith. And so uh, it, it deals a lot with faith. That book of Hebrews, I believe uh, Paul had a hand in that, but I can't really prove it. You read the book of James, and it's about works. So James talks about works. And then you have the gospel of uh, John, and you have uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Uh, but John was an apostle of love. He, his main focus was on love. So even though it's only one word, but it, it, they're different, but they all fit together. And this is what makes the Word of God so important and so exciting. Now, when you study the book of 2nd Peter, you know that true knowledge... And sure hope go together. Because your sure hope means your sure belief. This is what you really believe. Well, it's based upon true knowledge. And that's why he says there in verse 15, and uh, also verse 16 of chapter 1, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. And so he says, true knowledge and a sure hope go together. So we know that true doctrine and holy living go together. Because, you see, you live according to how you believe. So true knowledge and holy living go together. And so just the opposite of that would also be false doctrine and unholy living also go together. So the reason you want to have true doctrine is so that you can have holy living. Because when you don't believe right, you're going to believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, well, then you're going to have unholy living. You see, those two things go together. They, they dovetail together. So you can't live right if you don't believe right. That's why you have to study the Scripture. When God gives you spiritual directions, He must give you scriptural directions. The Holy Spirit cannot lead you contrary to the Word of God. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach you Scripture, teach you what the Word of God says. Now, you do have a problem in the book of 2 Peter, and especially chapter 1, when it talks about the danger of life without growth. And then there's the danger of life without, we would call, experience or the practice. So 
Christians that live their life without adding to their faith. There's a price to pay. Off with his head. I heard that. But uh, life does not remain static. You're either advancing or you are withdrawing. You're going forward or backward, but you're not standing still. And so knowledge without practice leads to blindness. And you'll see that as we get into these scriptures. But first of all, what I want you to look at is there, look in Romans in chapter 8. We'll come back here in just a second. But Romans in chapter 8, because it deals with this word hope just a little bit. Romans chapter 8. And look there in verse 24. In verse 24, for we are saved by hope. That word hope is actually like a joyful anticipation of what God says. We believe it to be true. So it's, it's what you really believe. I really believe this. My hope is in what I believe. And I believe that what God's word says is the truth. It is facts. It's not a blind thing. It's not like, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No, it's not that. It's a sure hope means I, my anchor is beyond the veil and I have an anchor that is fast and sure. So he says here, but we're saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. But for what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. So there's things that God has told us that is going to be. And because it's what God says, that's the truth. And if that's the truth, that's the facts. If that's the facts, I believe it. So that is my hope. That's my belief. This is what I believe. Every Sunday morning we stand here and we say, this we believe, blah, blah, blah. And we go through a whole list of things. This is our hope. This is what we believe. Now, there's a lot of things we haven't yet seen or experienced, but we believe that one day we will. We believe that Christ is coming back again. I believe he's going to come back very soon. When you see what's going on in this world, it does not look pretty. So here in the book of 2 Peter, in chapter 1, look here in verse 1. In verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant... And that word servant is the same one I told you about before. Doulos, it means a slave. I'm a slave of, the, of Jesus Christ. <coughs> and he's an apostle. He was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ and uh, saw him suffer, come back from the dead, and was personally sent by the Lord after his resurrection. Now, the people that claim to be apostles today, they're phonies. I don't care who they are. They ain't worth a quarter. Have no confidence in them. But he says, To them that have obtained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Don't try to sometimes get you know tangled up or get a hold of a gristle that doesn't have to be one. You and I know, even from reading other scriptures, that when you accept Christ as your Savior, He gives you His righteousness because... You took and placed your faith in what Christ did on the cross for you. And this here is considered precious faith. 
Now, there's some people who are Calvinists that try to say, well, God gave you the faith. God gives you the faith. Well, then why don't he just give it to everybody and we'll get this whole thing solved? God doesn't give you the faith. I'm not talking about the, the gift of faith that's later on to believers and Corinthians. That's a different story altogether. We're talking here about salvation. When he says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. They say, well, see that, that not of yourself. Faith is the gift of God. Faith is not the gift. Salvation, being saved and having eternal life, that's what's free. That's what's the gift. Now, salvation is the gift of God. And we can place our faith anywhere we want. Faith is simply the ability to trust. And everybody has faith and everybody demonstrates faith. And so um, you can place the faith in that pew to take you to heaven, but it don't have much ability, so I wouldn't trust it. You can even, you can trust Louis back here to take you to heaven. You can. And be just as sincere, but uh, he probably can't get you one inch off the floor. Well, maybe he can get you an inch off the floor. But um, God says faith is your ability to trust, and everybody has that. So, but faith in Christ comes because we hear about Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to hear the word and then we can trust and believe on him. And this is like precious faith. But also look at it in verse four. Along with precious faith is because you believe precious promises. See there in verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. So there's precious faith and there's precious promises. Now, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God wants your faith in Christ to grow. That's why he says in Colossians in chapter 2, uh, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Well, how did you receive him? By faith. Well, how are you supposed to walk? By faith. How do you get to heaven? By trusting Christ your Savior. Because that's what God says, do you did it. That's faith, taking God at his word. Well, what about the Christian life? Take God at his word. Live according to what he says, do. And God says, then your faith will grow. And as you learn more, you experience more. You practice more. You do more. And remember, you have to have problems in life to challenge your faith, to get your faith to grow. So that you can trust the Lord a little bit more and a little bit more. If you don't see it, you get stagnant. You get stagnant in the Christian life. And God wants us to continue to grow. Could, should I say, well, you know, I haven't been to Bible college for four years, and I studied for five or six hours a day, and all the homework and stuff that I had to do, and all the verses I had to memorize, and I don't have to do it anymore. I mean, I haven't paid my dues. No, that just taught me how to study. I was over here yesterday, and I read and studied for five or six hours. Does that mean I don't have to do it anymore? I don't think that's what it means. I always have to keep reading and I always have to keep studying. I was looking in this verse and I was in this Old Testament and I was in the book of Daniel. I was in the book of Revelation. I was, I was everywhere. But I finally got to where I can enjoy studying the Bible. And sometimes I can drive my car and I can see the verses on, on, in my mind. I can see them right there. I can read them. I can read them word by word. I can see it. Now, not all of it, but I can see a lot of it. And so I can study my Bible without opening my Bible. Not everybody can do that, but, then, but this is what I do. I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be able to know. Do you know John 3.16? Do 
Do you have to open it up to read it? Well, what about the next verse and the next verse? And the next verse? See, you could do it with one of our Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, 1 John 5, 30. They say, you don't have to open the Bible to read those verses. Well, what if you know a whole bunch of verses? You can read your, you just read and read. <laughs> and you don't have to do anything. Just, you just read it. Well, that's when you begin to grow in the Lord because you see, there's times when things happen in your life and you don't have time to read and study it. You got to bring it to your mind on the moment because that's when you need it. So that's why you should always be reading and studying so you can gain the knowledge from God's Word. Now, look what it says in verse 2 Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus our Lord. Now, like in verse 1, it talks about like precious faith. This is an individual thing. In verse 1, you can talk about the individual. In verse 2, he's then gone to being multiplied. And so there's a lot of multiplication. In verse 4, it talks about things that are divided between the old nature and the new nature. In verse 5, 6, and 7, it talks about addition, because it talks about, in verse 5, adding to your faith. Now, in verse 9, it kind of looks like it's talking about subtraction. You can learn mathematics in the Word of God, too, just a little bit. But look what he said. He wants grace and peace to be multiplied. See, when you begin to gain a little knowledge, did you know that after a while, your knowledge is like it multiplies? You begin to see so much more, not just the little bit that you are studying, but it opens up, it explains that one, it explains this one, because the more you put it into your mind, after a while you sit down and read the Bible, it just multiplies. And you, you didn't know you could get all that before. But that's because you've been faithfully putting scriptures in your mind, and all of a sudden, one verse will unlock this. Oh, that, get that. And then this verse will unlock this, and then you see this, and you see more. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So your mind is a wonderful place to store scripture and entrust the Holy Spirit to enlighten your mind. And your knowledge begins to grow. Remember in the last chapter here, chapter 3? Growing in grace. Growing in grace. Growing in grace means just learning how to live the Christian life. Some people said, the Christian life is so hard. It is not. It's impossible. That's why Christ has to do it through you. The Christian life is not the flesh trying to figure out how to live. The Christian life is nothing more than you letting the Lord and yielding to Him and just letting Him do what He wants to do with your life. The key is just yield. Just all you got to do is yield. Don't fight God. Don't war with God. Don't challenge God. Just submit to God. Just do whatever He says do. Do it. He says do this, just do it. Just do it. It's just so hard. That's when you're learning how to walk. But how many of you would say today, it's just so hard to walk? Don't even think about it. Like the mom bear was trying to teach a little baby bear to walk. Oh, Ma, which foot do I start with? Wow! And then you'll learn. Now, how do you teach somebody how to swim? Tell them to hold the nose, throw them in the water. And just start. And then things will begin to come to you, and you'll learn how to balance yourself. And you don't have to fall down all the time. You might still stumble once in a while, but you don't have to fall. And stay there. Now look at verse 3. According as his divine power. Now get this. There's divine power in verse 3. And down in verse 4, divine nature. So when you received your divine nature, 
The divine nature is the divine power that you need from God to do what God wants you to do. So you still have an old sinful nature. The sinful nature is going to work against you. But to believe that you have divine power and a divine nature that God gave to you to help you and I to live the way God wants us to live. So he says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So do you believe that God has given to you all that you need to live a godly life? You can live as godly of a life that you choose to live. It says you choose not to. Or because you get weak in the faith, or you don't study like you should, stay close to the Lord, and there's going to be problems. So it hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So in this world, before you were ever born, God created the heavens and an earth, made the Garden of Eden, put Adam and Eve here, all the fruit, everything. that They had their needs met before God ever put them here, didn't he? All their needs were met. They didn't need anything. Everything was supplied. All right, now you trust Christ as your Savior. Don't you think that God would make available everything we need for the spiritual life? Didn't he do it for the physical life? Did he give us air to breathe? <gasps> A body to live in, food to eat. Even night so we can rest. So God took care of it physically, so God says, look, I take care of it spiritually. And he has given to us that which we need, so he's given us a divine nature. His nature. When we're born to this world, we had this, yes, a human nature. Now we've got a divine nature, like God's. But you see, there's no power in the person's life unless you yield to the power. God does not override your will. God doesn't force us, doesn't make us. He just allows you to suffer the consequences of your decisions. That we sometimes don't like. So he says in verse 3, he says, Through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Now, the word virtue means moral excellence. And here you go from virtue to patience. And it lists some things there. But these are the things that deals with a person inwardly. And then it talks about godliness down to charity. And that deals with outside, are dealing with other people. So you see, the correct way to deal with other people is to make sure that God has dealt with us inwardly, producing the character that we need inwardly so that we can be the way we ought to be outwardly. Otherwise, you try to manufacture it, and people will just see the hypocrisy. Because you're not really that way. It becomes a show. And when it becomes a show, and you're not really that way, you will be found out. Because people can tell when you're not real. Now, do you want to be real? Or you want to be a phony? It means that God then must use his divine power through that divine nature that he gave to you and I to produce inward, inside of us, something that will emanate outward. 
be manifested in the lives of other people through us. So he makes a statement. In verse 3, when he said, hath called us to glory and virtue. Because later on, he's going to talk about make your calling, your election, sure. In other words, do you have the virtue, the character, the moral excellence that God's talking about in you? And if you do, there's only one way to get it. See, it's available, but you haven't got there yet because we have to grow into this, and it's by adding to our faith. So you look there in verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now that's in the Word of God, and there's a lot of them. Somebody just asked me this yesterday about a scripture in the Old Testament that um, was in the book of Job and talked about whether or not can that verse be taken for us today. And so I looked at the verse and emailed him back and says, yes, you can claim this verse because this verse is quoted in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 5, and it's about chastening and how that God says that we ought to have the joy of the Lord and so on. So yes, we can. And then in Romans in chapter 15 and verse 2, where it says, things written before were written for our admonition. In other words, for our learning. Though all Scripture is written for us, not all Scripture is written to us. So I can learn from these things. So there's many promises in the Old Testament that God will keep true even in the New Testament. So we can't say, well, the Old Testament, you can't learn anything from that. You can't claim any of those promises. I beg to differ. I believe that I can and that I do. And so he says here, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now you have the divine nature, but there's elements of the divine nature that may never be real in your life. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit, right? But the Holy Spirit may not have all of you. You have all of Him. You may not yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, so you will not experience some of the power that the Holy Spirit has uh, because you don't yield to Him. Uh, there's a new nature that you have, but you have an old one too. But you may not be yielding yourself to the new nature so that you have it, but you're not taking part of it. Now, you have it once you trust Christ as Savior. It's over and done with. It's a done deal. But that's why he says in the book of Timothy, talking, hold fast unto eternal life. Why do I have to hold fast unto eternal life? I mean, either I got it or I don't. It's not talking about that. It's talking about you have eternal life. Let eternal life live in you. You got it. Now live like it. You can be a child of God, but live like a pauper. You're a child of the king. Do you live like a child of the king? You can. But look what he says. Because when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gave to you a divine nature, and you were separated from that old sinful nature. Now, you still have it in your flesh. But you, you were separated from it. You got a new birth. Had nothing to do with the first. And so he says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, he says, if you will 
let the Holy Spirit, the new nature that lives within you, teach you and educate you and add to your faith, then those things that will happen in chapter 2 with the false teachers and the pig wallowing in the mire and dog eating its vomit, you don't have to do that. But if you don't watch it, you're going to live just like those false teachers who have false messages because you won't be strong enough to know and to believe the truth. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.